the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black in Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black in your money. Daily show dedicated to getting you to retirement. Daily show dedicated to hopefully throwing some thoughts your way that help you with investments and ideas. Um, what do we have to talk about today? We've had an interesting stock market, right? Hopefully you've been paying attention to it. Um, it's been very dramatic. Lots of movement. Um, and that's something, you know, we have to pay attention to. Um, when I say lots of movement and something we have to pay attention to, it's kind of along the lines of don't get caught in a head fake, you know, keep your eye on the ball, you know, the baseball analogy. Um, when you don't want to get, you know, faked out, the market can be pretty dramatic at this point in time, especially uh, on a day-by-day movement. Stock market struggling to find its way, and yet you can kind of like go, oh, oil's this, oil's that, or the whole Ukraine situation, or the whole Middle East issue with tension and violence and terrorism, and oh, I definitely know, you know Asia's going to do this because of China. Um keep your plan. You know, don't get caught up in uh, trying to outsmart yourself. Stock market's struggling to find its way. The S&P 500, you know, yesterday at one point in time, you know, was up, it was down, it was up. It's hard to pinpoint. You know, some people will look at it and say, ooh, technically it's doing this. Some people owe the craziness to oil. Some people owe the craziness to Greece backing away from its debt write-down demands in favor of a plan for debt swap arrangement that would involve growth-linked bonds. Nothing totally unreasonable about any of the explanations that people are throwing around out there other than to say, you've got a job, now go do it. Don't get too caught up in this. Um, oil prices are back to about $50, $51 a barrel. Greek stock market's up 10%. 
There's some speculation Staples at Office Depot may be in merger discussions. Amazon's looking at buying Radio Shack stores, even though Sprint's looking at buying Radio Shack stores out of bankruptcy. Uh, both of them make an enormous amount of sense. There's some chatter that the People's Bank of China may soon introduce more stimulus or boost the country's growth prospects by widening the yuan's trading band. Aetna reported inline expectations, and they raised their 2015 guidance. Owens, Illinois reported inline results, and they warned for 2015. Hmm. BP managed to top expectations, but announced it's going to be cutting capital expenditures by about 13% to $20 billion. Those are real, very real numbers. So that's stuff that we're looking at today, for sure. For sure, for sure. Apple and Samsung dominate the tablet market, but for the first time ever, the number of tablets shipped has decreased. So the tablet market is, uh, it's, that's not going to say it's maturing, but the replacement cycle is a little bit longer than people want it to be. That's bad news ultimately for all the tablet manufacturers, but Amazon's line of Kindle tablets is getting hit the most um, as far as volume goes. Fourth quarter tablet shipments were at 76.1 million units. That's a drop of 3.2% from 2013. The overall share, um, fourth quarter 2014, Apple has about 28% of all tablets. Samsung 14.5, Lenovo 4.8, Asus 4.0%, Amazon 2.3. Oof. Oof. That's down from 2013, 7.4%. So Samsung's growing a little bit. Uh, Lenovo's growing a little bit, but not much. Beyonce has partnered with her trainer, Marco Borges, to launch a new vegan meal delivery service. The company's going to be called 22 Days of Nutrition. After the belief that it takes about 21 days to break a bad habit, all meals will be 100% plant-based and delivered once a week. Yum! Yum, yum, give me some non-GMO, gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, and organic. No, thank you. Beyonce herself has dabbled in veganism before. She and her husband, Jay-Z, famously adopted the diet for 22 days in the winter of 2013. Um, yeah. That's all I got on that story. Google and Uber, looks like they're going to compete with each other for the on-demand car service. Such a move by Google would put the company in direct competition with, you know, Uber. They're going to be using their self-driving cars. That's the expectation. Um, Uber executives have reportedly seen screenshots of what to be Google's ride-hailing app. So, and uh, the CEO of Uber says he's deeply concerned about the possibility of Google using its self-driving cars to pick up and drop off passengers. And rightfully so. Uh, 800... 516-1220 to get your calls on the air today. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Gannett earnings were up 54%. That's kind of surprising. Um, it's tied towards broadcasting and digital gains. So earnings for the company came in better than expected. Uh, pulled in about $676 million, reflecting a special gain from the rate up of the company's equity investment in classified ventures. Strong operating performance, good. It's nice to see a media company actually doing well. Uh, revenues for Gannett's digital unit rose about 
which includes advertising from cars.com and careerbuilder.com. Uh, Gannett bought former competitor Below for $2.2 billion, nearly doubling the number of stations it owns and operates. So uh, revenues at the 46 stations, TV stations that it helps operate rose. TV is in a little bit of a comeback mode right now. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. I do have a web coming up, and you can learn more about that by going to robblack.com. That's robblack.com. You can sign up for the webinar at robblack.com. Anything you want to talk about today, we could talk about. We could talk about uh, earnings out of newspaper companies. We could talk about auto sales in January. Um, should you or should you not buy a stock like a Budweiser, Budweiser, even though we clearly could see the trend of craft beers just kicking the butt out of you know the you know the legacy beers, the Buds and the Coors and the uh, Miller Lights. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. You listen to Rob Black and your money. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show, and Facebook, I Hate Rob Black. example of why you want to have a solid estate plan. Robin Williams' children and wife have gone to court in a fight over the late comedian's estate. In papers filed in December, Williams' wife, Susan, says some of the late actor's personal items were taken without her permission and asked the court to exclude the contents of the Tiburon home that she shared with Williams from the jewelry, memorabilia, and other items Williams said the children should have. The children, Zachary, Zeldin, and Cody, counted that Susan Williams is adding insult to terrible injury by trying to change the trust agreement and rob them of some of the late actor's clothing and personal items. Lovely. It's always really, really good to spell out exactly what you want to happen when you die. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking all things financial. In particular, we're going to bullet shot into wealth preservation and retirement planning. We do seminars on this very exact set of topics. Um, part of the word 
of wealth preservation, retirement planning is planning. How do you go about planning and what does that look like, Chad? Well, you know, a big step in planning when it comes to wealth management is um, determining how wealthy a person is. And that's, again, relative to their expenses, how much wealth do they have? And I really need to sit there with a list of your expenses and your tax return. And, you know, I can calculate what the taxes are. My team can calculate what your ongoing tax issues are. We can look at age 70 when you're forced to draw money out of your IRAs. But I, I, I have to look at the expenses and your tax return so that I can look at what your your overall tax bracket is. And it all comes into play because when I need to first calculate when I'm looking at building a portfolio and whether or not your portfolio is okay, I need to figure out how much you're going to draw from that portfolio each year. And so I need the expenses, I need a tax return, and I need your social security statements for you and your spouse if you're married because all of that comes into play. We've got to do those things simultaneously to say, okay, we've got to calculate when is the best time for you to take Social Security. Maybe it's you take it, you file and suspend at 66, your spouse takes a spousal benefit at 66, and then you both switch to your own benefits at age 70. Those types of things, it all comes into play when determining how much safe money you need, whether or not you're going to convert a little bit each year from an IRA to a Roth from 65 to age 70, and then how much you're going to be forced to pull out of your IRAs at age 70. It all comes into play to build that portfolio. Now, there's a difference between, in the Bay Area, it's just a dramatic example of this. You and I typically, historically, would have thought someone, you know, think about retirement planning at probably 55 plus, in that ballpark right. range, ten, mm-hmm. 10 years, give or take. But sometimes in the Bay Area, people are wealthy enough at age 35, 45. Um, what are the differences with planning young versus the home stretch, and maybe even super wealthy versus wealthy versus going to be wealthy? Right. Well, when it comes to younger people, you've got so many more years of health care expenses, which are inflating at 5 to 6%, and then so many more decades where things can return to the mean. And when I say return to the mean, let's talk about inflation for a moment. Right now, inflation is non-existent. We have as much deflationary fears with the printing of money around the world as inflationary fears. And being in this business for 22-plus years and then looking at history, Things return to the mean. So if we've had a decade or two of very low inflation, we'll likely in the future have a decade or two of very high inflation. The younger you are, the longer you're going to live off of your wealth, the more chances that you're going to have to to do that. So when you look at simulations of portfolios and and the idea of high inflation, they'll show those different types of scenarios. And being flexible is, is really important. Um, being flexible enough to have, you know, an idea in your portfolio where, okay, if, if we do get into an inflationary environment in my overall portfolio, I want to make sure I have exposure to commodities if we see inflation right now. Not that important. I want to have exposure to tips, treasury inflation protected bonds if inflation comes into play right now. Okay. Not really attractive. So y- you just have to have a much longer term view when you're younger and realize that the risks are higher because your portfolio has to live longer. 30-year-old, you know, if your portfolio is earning, you know, over the long run, 7 8% to be conservative, even though it could be more, it could be less. But let's say you run your numbers at 7%. Yeah. You know, you need to assume inflation's at 3.5%, which means you don't want to draw more than about 3% out of your portfolio if you're in your 30s and you're wealthy. So that you have, your portfolio has to continue to grow until you're in your 60s and 70s so that you have enough money later in life as your income needs will increase with inflation. 
So it's just longer-term projections and building a little bit more safety reserves in the portfolio. And that doesn't necessarily be more conservative, because when you're younger, you can afford to take more risk. Um, but also younger people, Rob, I mean, if you retired at 30, if you remember that far back, right? Sure. <laughs> if you remember that far back, if you would have had enough money to retire when you were 30, you wouldn't have. No, I wouldn't have. I would be bored. I would want to do something else. Um, I'd want to build another business. I, you know, entrepreneur spirit. Obviously, I, I'm not going to just sit there idly. So I would have used money for other other investments. And and it's not just stocks and bonds. You got to accumulate other assets, rental properties, um, other businesses, and things like that. Really build a really good net worth that's very diversified. If I retired at 30, I would either have been the most ripped, cut, best in shape guy at the gym and or the fattest piece of poop on the couch. Like, yeah, I would have gone so either. So it's either, yeah. either a meathead or some bingo wings. One of those two? Eh, I wouldn't have been a meathead. I would have just been fat. <laughs> so that's my excuse. I don't have time now, right? Anyhow, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. We always have events coming up. You can sign up for them at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Aetna, the insurance company, matched expectations with a quarterly profit of buck twenty-two. Revenue also above forecast. Insurance company raised its outlook for the full year. That's positive. Companies being impacted by rising medical costs. Aetna is seeing membership and revenue increase. Uh, so they gave mostly good news. A little bit of, you know, watch out for the medical cost angle. UPS matched expectations. The company said its results were below its own expectations, and its forecast full-year results below street forecast. Um, it plans to address some of their negatives with cost and revenue actions, um, although they said customers were delighted with its service during the holiday season. So UPS also standing to benefit from the lower price of energy. Wendy's restaurant chain has said that they're going to sell 500 more of its restaurants to franchisees. That company has been delightful. Uh, pretty well run since they've come out of private uh, ownership. BP, British Petroleum, uh, they exceeded expectations. A little bit of a surprise profit from its Russian operations. Watch out, BP, because uh, Putin is going to try to nationalize any company he, that he can that does business in Russia. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can sign up for any webinar that's coming up or any seminar by going to robblack.com. It's robblack.com. Staples and Office Depot are in advanced talks to merge. Amazon wants to buy some of Radio Shack's stores. Very similar stories. Um, Amazon and Sprint both want to buy some of Radio Shack's stores. 
Um, maybe someone else will get in on it. I've been saying for years that Amazon should buy, or even Apple. Apple would never do it because the you know locations are so anally thought through by Apple. Uh, but Amazon would have a great place for people to, you know, go send packages back to go pick up packages trying to sell, whether it be the phones or their tablets. So Amazon's reportedly looking to using the branches as showcases for its hardware. They might also be used to pick up and drop off points for online customers. This would be Amazon's biggest ever venture into traditional retail. And some people would say that they're starting to lose their focus if that happens. Um, keep in mind, at one point in time, the biggest, bestest part of Amazon was you weren't paying sales tax, state sales tax. And that started to kind of crumble in the recent past. Um, so some of the biggest, bestest things are starting to change. Oil has raised losses for 2015 as the majors are starting to take action. Um, can the industry stay in $30 oil? Not for long is the answer. So we're back up to about $50 a barrel. 800-516-1220. Let's talk a little bit of real estate. Joining us now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com, talking real estate, talking lending. Um, just got an email, Tony, from a property manager on one of my rentals, and she asked the question, your lease is expiring in June. Um, great time to release your home. The tenant would like to stay until December 31. That's when her retirement has been delayed, too. It puts me in a dilemma. It puts me in a yeah. quandary, right? Well, you're in a good position to begin with because you're using a property manager who can help you, say, give you some statistics. What are the percentages, uh, or is it higher percent chance I'm going to rent in June than in December? Probably more in June than in December because people are starting to shuffle things around for the summer, sure. finding schools and families, things like that. Although people might be out for summer. So this is some questions that you're going to want to ask your your. Keep in mind, this is a single-family single home. Yeah. Um, it's not luxurious. It's probably not going to attract a family as much as it's going to attract independent professionals who might want a roommate kind of scenario. Um, now, on the other hand, I have a rental. My lease is always, for the last nine years, has been up on February 1st. And okay. I've, I haven't had any problems renting in okay. February 1st. So it's all about your property manager. Since it's out of the state, it's something that you have to rely on that property manager to give you the right information. So I would recommend you just talk to them and figure out what the percentages are for success. This is a rental in Raleigh, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. And every time you look at the fastest growing cities in America, every time you look at the lowest unemployment, it's in Raleigh. Yep. You know, it's a name Rock. that constantly pops up. Mm -hmm. They, Seattle, Oklahoma City, um, Houston, Austin, uh, Denver. All the cities where young people are going to. So I'm thinking, and again, this is it, that's the damnation game. I'm thinking I could probably rent it. I, I love the tenant. She's been no problems, yeah. no poop on the walls, no marijuana, no. Here, here's the other side of the email, and I, I can see it here, saying that she's she her retirement's been pushed out. So now, if you kick her out in in June, she has to find a place temporarily for six months. Yeah. Um, at the same time. Um, she may want to re renew the lease in December after she retires. So there's some things you may, you may want to t have them talk to the to your renter and see if there's uh, you know some something you can compromise. Maybe say you know what we'll renew it for two years and see what she says. Yeah. So there I, are some options that you can do here. And here's the other angle that I don't like at all is my property manager's contacting me saying like, hey, look, I know that I get a whole month of rent every time I put a new person in. 
she's not, I mean, they're not that. But there is a little bit of that going on. There's a little bit. I mean, they're definitely in, in the business to make money. Yeah. And keeping the houses rented, are, it's going to produce cash flow yeah. for them. Yeah. And see, I'm thinking, do I have more money this June? Do I have more money at Christmas? Because when that tenant goes out, new paint, new, a lot of things are going to go into it to improve it. Now, well, there's another thing to consider as well. If, if you renew it, are you going to raise her rent? If you get a new renter, That's can you true. raise the rent? That's true. I gave this woman a sweetheart deal on the rent when the economy was stinking. That's why she wants to stay then. Yeah. yeah. So I could easily charge an extra 200 $400 a month. You know, uh, Raleigh's uh, been on the top of the list as far as rents. Uh, one of the stats that I look at is uh, rental uh, cons- multifamily construction in the United States, and Raleigh hit the top of the list in the top three. Yeah. Um, there was a huge percentage increase in the construction of rental apartments. Um, so there's a need for rents, rentals. In, you know yeah. that, the, what is it called, the uh, triangle there? Yeah. It's called technology triangle or something like that. Yeah. And, and you're not too far from there. So you have a desirable property, and you're near the freeway. Right. So there's some good things that you have about the property that can command more rent. So I, this is a tough one for me. you got a lady who wants to retire. You've had her in there for a while. You're going to screw her over, basically, if you kick her out. I'm not screwing her over. I'm getting her below same, market rent. At the same time, you could rent, you know, turn around and rent. It's a, what do you want to do? What BMR. Do BMR. I just made up a term, although other people use that term. Be, be nice what? Uh, below market rent. Uh, below market rent. Okay. Uh, so ASAP, BMR, RB, call me, DM. Um, so you know one of the reasons I bought in Raleigh? Explain it. I, I know why, but go ahead and... Because the girls there are 18. Oh, okay. I'm 18. I love that. I'm they... pretty sure my answer would have been quite a bit different. You know, uh, it's fantastic. Every time I go back to North Carolina and visit, it's 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 culture shock because they have grits at the restaurants. Grits, and um, I figured out why they lost the Civil War in the South because they talk really slowly. They think of a bagel. I'd like a bagel and cheese, and they're like, "You want to eat a dog with cheese?" And they're like, "I'm gonna go get your breakfast for you." And that's how the na- the North took them over. They just—they're taking too long to they explain. They talked them to death, right? No, while they were trying to explain that the soldiers were, you know, a mile away, the soldiers were Marty marched on them. So anyway, um, Raleigh, North Carolina, Durham, uh, the, the research well, circle, and that was a good investment strategy that you pulled. I mean, we were talking about this for several months. Uh, places in the United States to to uh, buy rental properties. Yeah. Again, it's something that I've talked about. People here, as Bay Area prices have gone up. What are some of the alternatives where people want to still get into real estate? There's rents are going up all across the nation, and there's still good opportunities in many, many cities there's across no the United sh- States. There's no shame renting here and buying a rental somewhere else. We, we had a 1031 exchange guy the, on the other day explain why buying rental properties makes sense. As soon as you know, you have somebody else paying off your real estate, and then you we'll can talk transfer. About, yeah, yeah we'll say that, about that another show. day. I mean, it's there's there's many reasons why you buy rental property, but I, first time owners, property management because they'll answer questions like that for you. Absolutely, and um, that ties that up in a nice little bow. It's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He is a mortgage lender. He is my mortgage lender. He's done numerous mortgages for me. That's BayAreaLoanSource.com. So something that's happening in the housing market and the economy is they're kind of tied together, the housing market and the economy. The housing market over the near future actually looks like it could have another boom. There's a huge number of younger millennials who are about to hit their prime years for going out and starting households. The big spike of 20 to 25-year-olds in the population 
will reach their late 20s and early 30s, they'll be pretty much so start renting or buying homes and getting away from mom and dad. Um, there's things called baby boomers, echo boomers. Um, you know, in the great, in the wake of the Great Recession, lots of millennials have been stuck either staying at home or moving back with their parents. But as the economy slowly improves with slowly adding jobs, they're likely strike out on their own. So venturing out and forming new households has already begun. There's been a recent spike in the rate of household formation. That trend could lead to a rapid increase in demand for housing for the near term. There's a solid level of pent-up housing demand. You know, yesterday we saw some news about um, wage inflation and savings and spending, where we're cutting our spending, we're increasing our savings, which basically means down the road we'll have more money to spend. So we're paying off some debt, which means down the road we'll probably start some new debt. Things are starting to return to normal. Both rental and homeowner vacancies have dropped back to their near pre-crisis levels. Fewer vacancies implies a tightening house supply. So consumer housing sentiment is looking a little bit better. And some of the housing indicators are trending higher. Um, Strengthening of a housing market is seen out there by the home builders as well as the, the rental associations. So the Case-Shiller Index is about 16% below the peak of 2006, which means home values are starting to get back to their levels of break-even. So a lot of pent-up demand whose lives of the millennials were interrupted by the Great Recession. The end of the post-bubble spike in foreclosures, vacancies that could begin to constrain housing supply. Put together all these cautions and you know you could see a, a potential next wave in housing for sure. And again, that's one of the reasons to be bullish in the stock market and the economy and not necessarily to go, oh, I don't like what's going on in Europe. Or, oh, I don't like what's going on in China. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, oil and the euro are both stronger today. A reversal of what's happened in the last three months. Is it the bottom? Some people will say it is. Uh, homie, don't play that game. I try not to make bold predictions. I w would rather craft a response than react to a scenario. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Running
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, kind of excited to see that movie Jupiter Ascending. Don't know why I feel like I could use a good fantasy sci-fi break, but we'll see. With that said, uh, let's go to a phone call. Gil in San Dimas. Gil, how are you? Good. Good morning. Um, recently, you've been talking to Chad about making a spreadsheet about your expenses to prepare for retirement. One of the big columns on my spreadsheet is house insurance. Uh, okay. One of the things that I do have is earthquake insurance. Um, the thing is, is that the deductible on that is so great. There's another insurance to cover the deductible. Uh, uh, the federal government or any other program won't help you with that deductible unless you make like less than $36,000. I wanted to get your thoughts on not just earthquake insurance, but umbrella insurance, because even regular insurance only co- uh, covers about $250,000 of losses. And if your house is worth over a million, rather than make a claim on the insurance, they would come after you. I, I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that, uh, earthquake insurance and Sure. Let's, let me t- ask a couple questions. Um, how much are you worth, roughly? So the house alone is worth a million. Okay. How about outside assets? Let's not count the house. What do you have? Basically, I have my uh, income from my retirement. That's it. Okay. When I when it dies, I go away. I have maybe two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in 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 four hundred one ks and so on and so forth. But my basic income is from retirement. And your house is paid for? Basically, I owe 50000 on it. Okay. So you're house rich and basically retirement poor. Well, I do. All get, things considered, 250000 okay. is not a lot. I get 10000 a month uh, uh, gross in, in retirement. Um, some sort of pension? Yes, sir. Okay. So that's nice to hear. Um, I look at the house, and this is you know something you could consider doing, is... I'm not attached to my home, and thanks for the call. Um, you've got a million, we'll call it. It could be cash, cash equivalents, it could be stocks. You've got a great pension at $10,000 a month, $120,000 a year. Most people in retirement could live off that, or they could find a way to live off that, especially since your housing costs are so low. Your children are probably out of the nest, so your children costs aren't eating you up uh, per se. So you're right. Uh, earthquake insurance is expensive, and then the umbrella insurance is its not that expensive. It's, it's fairly cheap, all things considered. Umbrella insurance covers basically everything that your other insurances don't cover, just educating the people out there right now. Um, for instance, if my car hits a car of four attorneys, my basic auto insurance is going to run out pretty fast because they're all going to have neck issues. You know, They're all going to have like something they're going to sue, lost wages, lost time. I'm going to go broke. And that's where umbrella insurance comes in. Um, it covers everything that other insurances don't. Basic idea. Um, it can even cover things like being kidnapped. <laughs> like, it's really strange what it will cover. As far as the home goes, I would probably let go of the insurance because you have the pension that will pay you in a good economy and a bad economy. If the house gets knocked over in an earthquake, you still have the land that you can sell, which is probably worth more than the home. Um, 
I could be wrong, but usually that's the case. For instance, I have a million-dollar home. It's really $700,000 to the land and $300,000 to the home as far as construction costs go. Um, you could certainly shop the insurance if you want to. Um, but would you really be ruined at this point in time if your million-dollar house got knocked over and you had to sell the land for 700000 Probably not ruined. And if it's eating up a large portion of your budget, per se, in retirement, I'd consider letting it go. You insure what you can't afford to lose. Now, let's say if you're a young movie star and you just made a you know, $20 million movie and you just bought a $10 million home, that would be a significant hit if you were to lose that home. So maybe that's something you consider insuring. I myself like having my assets diversified in stocks, bonds, and real estate. So for instance, I have three or four pieces of real estate um, in three or four different states. An earthquake may hurt me in one, but probably not all four. Um, keep in mind there will be some federal assistance too. Um, maybe, again, not as much as you want in a disaster, but um, our government tends to take care of people in Katrina-like and earthquake-like scenarios. Um, again, not it won't make you whole, but it gets you closer. And again, I'm comfortable with losing, you know, a big chunk of change because I don't think the, again, you may live right on a fault. You may live in an area where homes do fall over. You may live on a beach where your home could fall into the ocean uh, during an earthquake. Mathematically, if it doesn't line up for you, it doesn't line up. And again, because you have that great pension, and that is a great pension, $10,000 a month, um, I'd consider something else. I'd, I'd consider letting it go. So especially if it's one of those things that's eating up your income in retirement. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Not sure that's the answer you were looking for, but um, I guess I'll say, and I'll leave it at, you know, just giving you a good second opinion. It's basically what I can do in a scenario like this. Um, European markets are rallying. After the Financial Times suggests Greece is softening stance. Um, the Greek Prime Minister has said there's been no U-turn. Consumer discretionary energy, financials, materials, industrials, and telco services are all doing well. We can see it in consumer staples, healthcare, and utilities. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblack.com. and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 
516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, I kind of hope, I kind of pray at times that like we all get to retirement in some sort of classy, civilized manner. But statistics keep telling me like I'm not doing enough work and enough people aren't saving enough money. Um, and I'm freaked out by retirement, and I've got a pretty good nest egg. You know, the concept of me taking my foot off the gas pedal has been something that I've really liked my whole life. And um, I would like to do it at some point, but I'm still freaked out. Um, Are you with me on that? Like, even when you have enough, you're like, what am I going to do in retirement? I've been picking up days of doing charity work and um, kind of cutting back a little bit to kind of get ready for that eventual what will I actually do, what will it look like? Uh, will I go to the gym every day and hang out and BS with the old guys? Uh, maybe. That doesn't sound terrible to me, but... Eh. So anyway, the whole goal of the show is to get you to retirement, whether it's investing in stocks like Budweiser. Good idea, bad idea. Great idea 30 years ago. How's it today? Good question. Whether it's investing in, you know, the entrepreneurial ideas of, you know... Starting your own business, I love that. I think every couple, one should be an entrepreneur and one should be like an IBM worker, uh, i.e. get great health care benefits working for a big company while the other person, you know, goes out and tries to break through the ceiling, income ceiling, uh, by coming up with some sort of great idea. Let's bring in CFP Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. He's with newfocusfinancial.com or you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. He's with New Focus Financial. Talking about transitioning to a retirement portfolio, I say that you accumulate wealth from age 20 to 50, and you start managing wealth from age 50 to 100. And again, that's not set in stone, but that's the general concept. Mr. Burton, transitioning to a retirement portfolio. What's your thoughts? Well, when I walk people through this, i got to give them some general market history, which sometimes is boring, but it, it surprises me how many people... Bore me don't really realize this stuff. So the market, as you talk about all the time, is positive 70% of the time. Right. Three out of 10 years, negative seven out of 10 years, positive. So pretty good odds. Best odds on the planet. Right. And when you're building wealth, you know, up until your mid to late 50s, it, it, t- timing the market doesn't really matter a lot. Right. The thing that you need to focus on is the asset classes that have done really well over 10 years but are doing really poorly in the last one to three, those are the ones you should actually be buying. Um, so it's not, it's really, you can control your, your asset allocation with where you're sending your, your new purchases. Give me an example of that. Well, so every three years, typically asset classes change. Um, they go through a cycle. So whether it's looking at sectors of the economy, like telecom, technology, healthcare, if you look at, uh, there's a chart that I talk about a lot called Callan periodic table of investments. And you can see that whether it's an asset class chart or a sector chart, that asset class or sector will be the best place to be for two to three years in a row. And within two to three years, it'll be one of the worst places to be. And so um, the real active wealth builder 
the way they rebalance their portfolios will be changing where they're contributing their money and buying the stuff that looks like it's on sale. Where everybody else is running away from it, that's what they're buying that year. Okay? I'm with you. In retirement, timing is everything. Because if you go in, you build this balanced portfolio over these years and years of, of work, and then you just dollar cost average in reverse. In other words, you sell every month instead of buy every month. Well, if you sell during the downturns, you're selling. That is gone. That's lost potential forever. So if you would have had to sell your portfolio between 2008 and 2009 when the market was down 40-plus percent, and then you had to sell 5 or 10% to live, you're never going to recover. Right. That's gone. It's out of your portfolio forever. So that's why, and when you look back at the stock market history, there's only been two periods in a row where the market's been negative three years in a row. It runs right after the Great Depression, right. like late 30s, and then um, 2000, 2001, and 2002. The only three years in a row that we've had. We've had several two-year periods in a row, like 73 and 74, the market was down 40%. Right. Next two years, the market was up 60%. Okay. So... The volatility isn't new. It's been with us forever. It's just in your face with you know financial shows out there all the time. So the biggest point as you as you look at and you're 10 years out from retirement, one of your biggest things is, how, okay, I have a balanced portfolio. How do I get to the point where I have three years' worth of expenses, portfolio draws, and cash? So the first thing you need to do is say, here's my expenses in retirement, and here's my automatic income from like Social Security and pensions. So again, a, a simple math would be if you if you need a hundred grand to pay your taxes, your expenses, healthcare costs, everything, and you're getting fifty from Social Security and pensions, you know that you need fifty thousand a year from your portfolio. So five years prior to retirement, you need three years of that, or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in that person's scenario, in safe money. That takes out one of the biggest risks of timing in retirement, so that you you have three year cushion that you don't have to draw on the portfolio when you're in a down market. And then by the other strategies of dividend-paying stocks where they have a history of increasing their dividend on an annual basis to help fight inflation, balanced portfolio, and then also having a good portion of your retirement income coming from lifetime sources that you can outlive, like Social Security or pension or your own annuitized income. We'll talk about that at seminars coming up. You can learn more about upcoming Wealth Preservation Retirement Planning seminars at robblack.com. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. He's a CFP, stands for Certified Financial Planner. It's his designation that makes him a fiduciary. He works in his client's best interest. You're listening to me, Rob Black, on the Wall Street Business Network. You can find Chad at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, you know, we talked about that Super Bowl ad of that is basically kind of a total downer nationwide ran an insurance ad where basically it talked about accidents that killed children and it caused an uproar. You insure what you can't afford to lose, whether it's a home, whether it's a car, whether it's your ability to earn income with disability insurance. Insurance is never going to make you whole for losing a child and children don't work. So you're not going to ever need that you know, income replaced. A father basically said, thanks nationwide. You know, I lost my daughter, Gia, who was born in 2000. She never learned to ride a bike. She never got cootie. She never learned to fly. She'll never get married. And during the Super Bowl, well, she died of a liver transplant surgery as a result of liver cancer, January 26, 2004. And, you know, 
imagine now I'm watching the Super Bowl with her siblings and you know this commercial comes on and we have to now talk about their lost sister. Um, simply, you know, put this brought nothing but pain to parents who lost a child and basically accuses nationwide of saying, you know, you're not trying to start a dialogue. You're, you're trying to basically make a long-term profit. Um, and he was pissed because the Super Bowl is one of the days of the year where he's actually able to, you know, forget the pain of losing a daughter to cancer. I will never use nationwide insurance. I think their ad agency got it totally wrong. Um, I think that no one in the ad agency has ever lost a child and no one at the company who approved that message has ever lost a child because not only was it a downer, it was personal to every parent who's ever lost a child. It, it's, it was the wrong message and at the wrong time and it's all about the cash. So anyway, with that said, uh, I feel for anyone who's ever lost a child, it's the one thing that you will never be able to make sense of. I can make sense of everything in the world but that. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Black talking all things financial, money, investing, basically everything I can. Uh, try to get you to retirement is the goal of the show. Kicking, dragging, what have you. I try to show you things that you don't want to invest in, like annuities. I try to show you things that you do want to invest in, like the markets over time. Um, from time to time, I'll say, you know, Hey, let's you know think about this angle. For instance, um, New York Times has a section called Deal Book, and I always love reading Deal Book. Um, there's an article today about Silicon Valley boom unnerves some venture capitalists. There are heady times to be working in venture capital for sure. There's a sense of foreboding hung over a panel discussion at Harvard Business School, talking about careers in venture capital, with you know waves of financing moving through Silicon Valley pushing up valuations for hot startups and allowing talented engineers to command seven-figure salaries, the question that panelists debated wasn't whether venture capital market was hot. It was when would the cycle end? That's important. It's really, really important to try to grasp this concept that it is a cycle and that we are pushing up valuations pretty much so across the board. If you have an idea right now and it somehow died tied towards sharing, and you could somehow put an app into it, whether it's you're sharing old clothes, whether you're sharing old toothpaste, whether you're sharing a ride, think Uber or Lyft, whether you're sharing some sort of service, <clears throat> a peer-to-peer based economy. Um, 
it's getting pretty hot out there. And like, for instance, one of the problems is the rising cost of hiring a good developer. You know, the advent of cloud computing has made it much less expensive to start a company for sure. On the other hand, software developers are being poached by cash-rich companies at this point in time um, for even higher salaries. So instead of buying expensive hardware, you're buying expensive people. And at some point in time, this is going to pop. And again, it'll end badly. Uh, it's something to watch. And again, if it's not a bubble, it's at least very, very warm in Silicon Valley. Of Times are good. And people are getting away with murder on valuations that will never grow into them. It's referred to as the age of unicorns. At least 80 tech startups are worth a billion dollars more. Um, not enough people are concerned about it, in my viewpoint, in the Bay Area. Um, for instance, I was talking to somebody recently, and um, the market that I live in, in real estate, is a pretty hot market. And, you know, I've seen people go 20% over, right? Sure. That sounds, okay, that's hot. But now they're saying if you don't have 100% cash, don't even make an offer on the deal place. If you can't write a check for the whole thing, don't even make an offer. And that's absurd. So we've gone from, okay, we can deal with this, to this is absurd. And I'm honest enough to say that. Um, I bought perfectly in 2006. Perfectly. Um, I'm comfortable with that. I didn't have multiple offers. I could sell my home easily for a $500,000 profit five years later. And that's, I can say this, that's retarded. That's sick. That's not smart. That's gross. Like, that makes no mental sense in any way, shape, or form. It's absurd. Will it go higher? I think it will. So income investors have had a very, very nice run. In six of the last eight years, yields have fallen, and the 10-year Treasury bond returned more than interest it paid. Um, what should you do to look for income at this point in time? Got to be careful of the energy master limited partnerships because they're tied to oil and gas, which is in a funk. You'll see some of them have payouts over 10%. <coughs> so companies like Alarian, MLP, you know, yielding 6.5%. Um, you got to be very careful chasing yield at this point in time. Procter & Gamble looks great. Johnson & Johnson. Um, AT&T's dividend. If you're looking for income, Coca-Cola has a 2.3% dividend yield. Better than a CD, in my opinion. Better than parking your money at a bank and getting nothing. Um, so I would you know, absolutely look for some alternatives for income if you're looking for income in your portfolio. Here's something that you're going to hear a little about Excuse me. Here's something you're going to hear a little bit something about in the coming days and weeks. Suing someone's, suing parents of children who didn't get vaccinated. So you're starting to hear lawyers get in on this. What happens if a child dies because some parents decided not to vaccinate their own kid? 
what if it's my child? It's totally hypothetical, right? But there's reason to worry. More than 100 people in six states are now sick with measles in an outbreak that can be traced directly back to Disneyland. Dozens of newborns have been put into isolation. Very expensive. Public health officials from California and Chicago are warning that the outbreak's going to grow. And people are angry. Measles has a reproduction rate of 12 to 18 people for every person it infects. It's a very high number. It's helped spread despite you know the nation's 90-plus percent vaccination rate. You're now starting to hear conservatives come out and say, I'm going to be more conservative than you, and say parents have the right not to vaccinate their children. Um, I think school systems, school districts have the right to not let your child in school if they're not vaccinated. So you can kind of see how polarized this issue makes people. If you're comparing the measles outbreak to Ebola, where thousands of Americans were exposed, but just two Americans ultimately were infected, um, measles is a much bigger problem. Measles carries real risk for infants, brain damage for some, death for others. About 1 in 5,000 people who aren't protected from measles will die from it. More than 300 people die from measles around the world every day, mostly children. Um, if you're unvaccinated, you're about 35,000 times more likely to die from measles than you are to win at Powerball. Um, but in California, the vaccine exemption rate for young children is at least 13%, higher than Ghana, where it's 11%. I mean, parents are deliberately opting out. There's no link between measles and autism, none, zero. Some people want to live a natural lifestyle, and they want to reject modern drugs and vaccines. But you're going to see people start suing other people. Um, it's fascinating to talk about healthcare in the world like this. Anyway, um, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. We'll take a break here. We'll be right back. I'm Rob Black. <clears throat> Excuse me. Talking all things financial money, investing, and more. The idea of Amazon buying Radio Shack stores, or will it be Sprint, or will it be some combination? It's out there. Brookstone has some interest as well. It makes sense for Amazon because years and years ago, they, they weren't paying local taxes, and now they are. So Amazon originally avoided local presence due to tax laws, but they've now shifted that, and that's no longer a barrier. Amazon's really focused on local, so picking up local stores is smart. Clearly, Amazon is moving more into local commerce with the rollout of its Amazon Fresh grocery delivery service. So it's focused on local opportunities. 
they're talking about some other things like trying to blend services with things that you buy. So if you buy a big TV, they'll have someone install it for you. So it would give them a broader ecosystem. It would give them a sh way of showing off their hardware that they want to show, too, like displays of Kindles and Fire Phones would let consumers come in and see the technology, and if they liked it, buy it. For whatever long-term ambition Amazon has around payments, this could also be a base for Amazon to build off and a chance to convert consumers on a local level to start using payments. Amazon has also commented in the past about attaching services to sales of goods. You know, consider the installation business like electronics and appliances. A local presence could educate the availability of those services to customers. And I've always said, and this was kind of a joke, and I feel bad about it now. I said, if you ever catch me in a, uh, if you ever catch me in a Radio Shack store, I'd give you ten thousand dollars. And now that they've are being delisted in YSE. I feel pretty safe that that bet's never going to be uh, picked up on. The bigger ecosystem angle, it would let you know prior items focus on the lift of Amazon products and services. Um, Third-party sellers would incentivize to give more of their inventory to Amazon so it could be available locally. So it could increase the velocity of sales. This year, we're going to see Macy's do same-day delivery. You want a shirt? They'll deliver it to you that same day. So trying to augment the consumer experience is going to be interesting. Um, and we're going to, as shoppers, get more and more thrown our direction, which I think is ultimately a good thing. Google's going to compete with Uber, maybe, on an on-demand car service, and Google's talking about using their self-driving cars. Uber's going to be the biggest IPO of the year this year. It's going to be monstrous. Uber executives have reportedly seen screenshots of what appears to be Google's ride-sharing app. Now, again, where are these self-driving cars at this point in time? It's a little bit early, um, but these guys could become intense rivals. Now, Coca-Cola's got an interesting product coming out. It's called Fairlife, and I don't know if it's going to work or not. It's, a premium, it's called the premiumization of milk. It has more protein. It's got less sugar than regular milk. We live in a society that's, you know, um, really focused at this point in time on, you know, people under 35 focused on, like, muscle milk and uh, trying to get the most nutrition as they can out of anything that they put in their body. So the national rollout of Fairlife over the next several weeks will, you know, get Coca-Cola into what's called the milk case. And it's trying to diversify away from soft drinks. We've seen this. They've done it with orange juice and water. Um, it comes at a time when people, again, are trying to get you know, as much functional boost uh, from their foods and drinks, whether it's more fiber, more antioxidants, more protein. So it's kind of opened the door for Coca-Cola to jump into this category. I, myself, am the kind of guy who goes to the grocery store, and I'm like, ah, oh, 2% milk. Okay, I could get that that brain-healthy omega-3 additive one, or I can get a regular milk. I don't see milk as like, ooh. Um, now I need a premium, you know, I, I need to utilize it as getting as much nutrition as I can. I guess I should, because Coke's thinking this way, and Coke can't be wrong, can they? Or will Coke fail to get win me over? Um, it's the type of product that rains money. If developed properly, Fairlife, which Coca-Cola formed in partnership with a dairy cooperative select milk producers in 2012, 
says its milk goes through a filtration process that's akin to the way skim milk is made. Now, filters are used to separate the various components of milk, then more of the favorable components are added, while less desirable ones are kept out. Sounds okay to me. You know, will it taste the same? I'd probably buy it, but here's where it gets interesting. And let's give this a second. It's going to be about 30% more expensive than regular milk. But it's also going to be lactose-free. It's going to have 50% more protein, 30% more calcium, 50% less sugar. Hmm. The same process is used to make Fairlife's Core Power, a drink marketed to athletes that has even more protein and calcium than Fairlife milk. So, touting the nutritional advantages versus the cost is going to be interesting. Trying to explain how the milk is made, you know, do we really feel like we need a new bulked up milk? Don't we want the beautiful milk that comes from a cow? Um, isn't that good enough? Like, these are questions that you start, they're going to have trouble marketing this. Uh, can they do it? Sure. Uh, will they? Uh, will it be easy? I don't know about that. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. The S&P 500 is trading higher today by 13 points. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up 179 points. That's big. Uh, up 1%, sitting at 17,539. And the NASDAQ up 9 points, sitting at 4,685. The 10-year Treasury sits at 1.75. Good time to consider a mortgage. Um, because of the low cost of money. Apple did. Apple just issued $6.5 billion of bonds. And they're quickly racking up debt, which is going to scare some people. Now, again, they could pay it all off. And, but there's... Not that issue being focused on at this point in time. Um, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission, plans to reclassify broadband Internet providers so they can't favor some websites over others, which is the outcome that has been urged by net neutrality advocates and which would amount to a victory for the open Internet. The FCC chairman, Tom Wheeler, has yet to release the formal copy of new rules, which must be circulated to other commissioners three weeks before a scheduled vote on February 26th. Uh, but according to the Wall Street Journal, it's calling for a so-called Title II reclassification, which would mean a ban on Internet fast lanes. A key element of the rule would be a ban on broadband providers blocking, slowing down, or speeding up specific websites in exchange for payment, a practice known as paid prioritization. Uh, the FCC's plan to reclassify Internet providers is likely to upset ISPs like Verizon, which do not want to be treated like common carriers. But the move had come to seem likely after President Obama last year jolted the net neutrality debate by calling publicly for a Title II. The move is also going to encompass mobile broadband, which was not covered by the former net neutrality rules that were struck down in a major court in early 2014. Big win for companies like Netflix. Big win for you, kind of. Um, companies like Comcast and Verizon will say otherwise. They will say, you know, if we can't give a premium service, then we're not going to develop new products. It's going to be interesting to watch um, as that gets rolled out in the coming days and weeks. Um, let's see, what else is out there today as far as big stories go? Um, 
I thought this was kind of an interesting story. Not like wildly interesting, but kind of interesting. Uh, Beyonce is launching her own on-demand vegan meal service. Do we really need celebrities telling us, you know, do we really need, do we really, really, really need celebrities telling us how to live? Apparently so. Um, Beyonce has partnered up with her trainer to launch a new vegan meal delivery service. Which for me, I don't think Beyonce's, if she's using a trainer, I, I don't think she's getting the results that should be expected. Wendy's is selling 500 restaurants to franchisees. It's number three hamburger chain by sales. Uh, great stock. It's been on a great tear. Um, and it seems to be doing a lot of things right. UPS issued a downbeat 2015 outlook. The company last surprised investors ultimately by lowering their forecasts, saying preparations to handle the holiday rush was more than expected. But to lower their guidance for 2015 is important. Because UPS is very reflective of the U.S. economy. We tend to send more uh, packages and send more goods when the economy is picking up. Um, worthy of note, oil erased the losses for 2015 as the majors are starting to take action. So we're seeing oil above $50 a barrel, which um, will it hold or not is a big question. Because it, just because you cut down on looking for oil does not necessarily translate into worldwide demand for oil. OPEC oil output rose in January as key members stood firm. So there's a lot of oil supply to the market at this point in time. Uh, supply from OPEC has averaged 30.37 million barrels per day, up from a revised 30.24 million. Um, the no-cut strategy seems to be working as you're starting to see pain in the Balkan fields, you're starting to see pain in the natural gas areas. Largest boost this month has come from Angola, which pumped 1.8 billion million barrels per day. So, still out there. Yet oil's moving higher on this news, which it shouldn't, but maybe it's a technical spike. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.